Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Punk Till I Die podcast, episode 107. I'm one of your hosts, Tom. And, Neil, we have a very special treat for people today, don't we? We do. So, everybody, this is going to be um, Offensive Part 2. So, if you are listening to this in the presence of any small children or easily offended uh, easily Spouses. offended old folks, um, I, advise, uh, yeah, I advise you put in your headphones right now because, uh, yeah, some of these uh, might be offensive in a number of ways. So, you know, some for of them a warning. Some be offensive to us, and we still like them, old plan. <laughs> yes, that's, that's true, actually. Yes, I was kind of embarrassed to be picking some of these out. But it's funny because, yeah, it's like I remember last time I did like a mentor song, and I was literally like choking when I announced it, but I genuinely think it's a good song. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, so, and- I don't actually know much about the mentors, to tell you the truth. They're one of those bands that kind of just passed me by. Well, they kind of, they kind of, for one thing, they're very, very, uh, fr- you know, kind of culty. I mean, they were never big, and they they kind of walked that fine line between punk and metal, and it's so offensive. I mean, it's so over the top. I think one of their albums is called Over the Top, as a matter of fact. They just seem but very, they almost seem pro wrestling to me. Just whenever I see the album covers, it'd be people in masks, you know, masks and stuff, right? Or something like that. It's, it's funny because, do you, are you familiar with the professional wrestler Alan Wrench? No, I am not. I don't think he was ever in any of the big things, but so like if you watch any of those documentaries about like uh, that, say El Duce, the mm-hmm. um, drummer for the Mentors, killed Kurt Cobain. The guy who pro- who they think maybe actually did it was this guy Alan Wrench, who was this pro wrestler who was in a later version of the Mentors, but he was very psychotic. You start reading about him, it's one of those things like you would want to go down a rabbit hole. You could easily go down a rabbit hole reading about this guy and his violence behavior and all this stuff so hold on a second anyway, he, he, might, get, he, he might have killed kurt cobain hold on go back to that i don't want to get that. on his bad side so i'm not accusing him of anything <laughs> actually he might have killed el duce oh jesus <laughs> the guy who <laughs> they talk about killing kurt cobain i, think, I don't know i think we should put john bates on this case because he loves murder and serial killers and that's such. true so yeah. yeah anyway so yeah we're gonna play a bunch of songs that might may or may not make you uncomfortable and we have, I have, a, I have, there's a little methodology behind my madness on this. But first of all, because we're, we're going to play a ton of songs. Yeah. So I, actually, I'm going to start with a song. All right. And, and I will explain why I picked it. And actually, I won't explain why I picked it. I'll just, well, maybe I will. But the first song I'm going to play is the one that we kind of missed last time. A classic, classic filthy song. Uh, TSOL, Cold Blue. Do you know what Cold Blue is about, Neil? Uh, is it about? Well, I know what the song is about. I don't know what officially what Code Blue is, but is it some kind of police term I don't know or something? Blue is, but it's, I don't know. Is that what they like? We got a Code Blue down at the morgue. That's what I'm thinking. Necro- yeah. Necrophilia. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. I remember I took, when my daughter was like when my daughter Alex was like 15. We went and saw TSOL in Detroit in a real small little club called Smalls. Great club actually. And uh, you know it was cool. She was definitely doing a lot of people watching of the older punks, and of course they closed with Code Blue. And I remember I reviewed it for Punk News, and my last line of my review was, you know, it's so hard to talk to your kids about necrophilia. I'm so glad I have TSOL there to help me break the ice. <laughs> yeah, so, thank anyway, you. This is, this is TSOL from their classic second album, Dance With Me, Code Blue. <laughs> Never got along with the girls at my school. Filling me up with all the 
TSOL with Code Blue. Hope that got the show off to a, a suitably unpleasant start. Made you all squirm a little bit because, yeah, you don't. That's such a classic. That's such a classic, though. I mean, I think it's such a classic that you don't even really think about the words when you're singing along to it anymore. You don't hear too many uh, hear too many songs about necrophilia these days, do you? Modern punks are such wimps, dude. <laughs> right? You know, so, so, not so, tackling so the real topics, goddammit. So speaking of, okay, so first of all, I still have some stickers. So if you want some stickers, send us your name and address to either leave us a message on our Facebook page, uh, Punk Till I Die Podcast, or of course uh, you can email us, punktillidie77 at gmail. Send us your name and address. We will not sell your name and address. We will not harass you. We will not dox you, but I will send you some stickers if you want some. Um, when they're gone, I don't know. They're probably gone. Probably be a different design. So anyway, before we get to... Punks are modern punks are wimps. Um, so Neil and I, we've actually we made the announcement and we've been planning it. We are going to punk rock bowling in Las Vegas. Indeed, yes. In, in September, yep. it looks like it's going to happen. Shows certainly look like they're going to be starting up again. Uh, if they're not already, some of the I think some of the smaller kind of fringier venues are already starting up. But so here we are, five months from the day it's supposed to start, and what happens? No effects has already dropped off the bill. Yeah, that was a little disturbing, isn't it? The fact that so early fans are already starting to drop off. Were they the Friday? I think they were the Friday headliner. Friday headliner, yes, indeed they were. Uh, yeah. Well, and it's it's interesting why, and I think everybody, most people who are listening to us probably are at least somewhat familiar with this story. So in 2018, obviously, this was, and this is this is a serious matter, but there was a there's a big country. Uh, music festival that happens in Las Vegas, I think on the Strip, right? Um, I can't remember what the name of the hotel is that has it, but but there was a big country music festival, and a, and some madman, like literally, somehow got an armory up to his hotel room, which was quite a ways up. It was just like shooting people down below. Right. You remember the yeah, I do. The yeah. Store? yeah, I remember. It was not only was it bizarre, but and I'm not really inclined towards conspiracy theories, but it's just it was so bizarre that in the and the police and the casinos are always kind of covering each other's asses, and it was really a weird story how this guy was able to get so much armaments out there and shoot for so long before they finally got him. Well, I, they did, I, yeah, I don't think they knew you where know, it was 30, coming from, did they? Because he was so high up in a hotel room. I don't think they knew where it was where he was shooting from. Uh, I don't know. I think there was probably some screwiness going on. But anyway, it was a weird, weird story. But so, um, you know, so okay, then later that same year, or was it... Yeah, was that 17? Was that 17 or 18? I, I don't remember. Hmm, don't but later remember. that year, don't remember. North Fax was headlining at Punk Rock Bowling. And they made, and there was a little bit of small talk going back and forth between um, Mike and Eric Melvin, who's the guitar player. The other guitar player. The other one's El Jefe. Um, and Mike says, here, I have it right in front of me. I have the, 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 the official transcript, Neil. I have it right in front of me. Very official, Tom. Very Mike, official. That Mike says, we played a song about Muslims and we didn't get shot. Then Eric Melvin, the guitar player, said, I guess you only get shot in Vegas if you're in a country band. Then Fat Mike says, at least they were country fans and not punk rock fans. Yeah. Is that the most offensive thing you've ever heard or what, Neil? No. <laughs> no it, it certainly it, isn't. It's just, far, a, just a stupid it, joke. As far as jokes go, it wasn't a great joke. No. But it wasn't, it wasn't 
I mean, listen, I told this story before, I'm sure. I've, I've seen no effects a bunch of times. Sometimes they're really good, sometimes they're really bad. It's kind of hit or miss. I think it's like the getting the drugs and alcohol thing like perfectly balanced. Um, but I remember doing such things as making fun of the handicapped people up front by the stage going, how come they let the lazy people have the best seats? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just that's what they are. That's what they do. They're offensive, and I don't think they're hateful. I think they're just, you know, they're provocateurs. At least they have been. Yeah. So then they got into this corner where people were offended, whether it was real, really offended or not offended. So they're backpedaling and just apologizing like crazy and doing the thing you don't really want to see any band do, which is, you know, sucking up and doing excessive amounts of Mia Culpas. So that was 2018, three years ago. I think that that the badness started or maybe it was 17. I don't know. One or the other. The shooting was in 2017. I just looked it up. October October 1st, 2017. Okay. So. Man, I wonder when. Okay, okay, and then that was and punk rock bowling was always over uh, Memorial Day weekend. It only got moved this year because of the COVID stuff. So, um, so in yeah, so in uh, over Memorial Day weekend they played and they did that, and then they were supposed to go on a big tour with Bad Religion, canceled. Then they were supposed to play a a big event that I went to in Ohio called Punk and Drublick. They were off. The Stern brothers roundly condemned them and blah, blah, blah. So it was actually a little surprising that they showed up on the bill this year. Hmm. But I, I just I just don't get this. What, what's going on, Neil? Are they like, you made a joke about a shooting. If you play, we're going to shoot you? I mean, is that what they're saying? I, I, don't, I don't know. Well, I think they said, didn't they say they got death threats and all kinds of complaints and stuff? The complaints you could live with. But, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Did they really get death threats? I don't know. Because if they did, that should be reported to the police, I would imagine, and looked into, right? And what I always say about these super sensitive types is, are they getting complaints from people who are going to go to the festival? True enough. Well, probably not, that... because, probably not, because we'd already bought tickets. If You, you know what I mean? Well, I'm already in that, I'm in that BYO uh, punk group the 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 byo uh prb group like it's pretty big group what are they saying Uh, most of them are i mean at least half of them are soft-headed idiots you could tell but a lot of them are kind of more old school you know Mm -hmm. so it's i think it's a kind of a mixed a mixed bag so i don't know i'm a little bummed out i i you know they're being replaced with the descendants which i think is is good the Descendants are a really solid live band i've seen them quite a few times but it's been a long time since i've seen no effects i was kind of looking forward to it I was kind of well, looking they... forward to it too because I've never I'd never seen No Effects and I have seen The Descendants, so that was kind of disappointing to me of of all the bands yeah. to replace them with, especially because all were already on the bill. Um, so it's a totally different animal than Descendants. Yeah, I know, but still, it's you know a lot of the similar fans and stuff. I'd have liked it if they'd put maybe like Rancid or someone like that had replaced them on the bill. That would have been a lot more exciting yeah. to me. And well, I think... it's like, it's like let's face it, there's only like eight like punk festival headliner bands right yeah it's no effects it's rancid it's descendants it's dropkick murphy's it's offspring so we could have done worse we could have got the offspring <laughs> yeah true enough especially i think they have a new album coming out so yeah you're definitely right about that yeah, I think it's, already, it's already out i'm sure yeah. it's, sure it's not classic like everyone has been since smash well they could have done how about off off would have been good yeah but keith morris is playing with the certain off is not playing anymore at the moment oh, okay. once the circle jerks the circle jerks got back together because off wasn't happening Hmm. I don't know. I think they just kind of direct Keith Morris towards the microphone and say, go, go for it, dude. Go yell. I have a flag. They could have done flag. That would have been all right. That would have been sweet. Yeah, right? Yeah, I don't know what these bands are doing. You know, they probably most of them have been sitting around for a year or haven't even talked for a year or more, 14 months or whatever now. So I don't know. Plan, plan. Wait, wait, wait. So 
I mean, I, I don't know. I, I really wonder, if, are people really offended by that, Neil? That, by what happened? I think someone's offended by by your internet connection because it just got you know, all garbled and stuff. I think someone's uh-huh. dicking with you. I think Blattes, uh, whatever his name is, is onto you. Um, I'm not even here. Literally here by myself, so. I, I don't, you know what, I I don't know. I mean, I guess it's not a surprise, but it, it's a surprise they canceled so early. I mean, it's four months away. You know what yeah. I mean? That, that, I mean, that that surprises me. Uh, instead of just trying to, you know, let it blow over or something like that. But j- just looking this up a minute, I had no idea. So this guy, the guy that did that shooting at the at the country festival, it says in 10 minutes... He fired more than 1,000 rounds from his 32nd floor suites in the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Like, that's right. Killing 60 people and wounding over 400. Was 60 he... people? Yeah, I killed 60. Yeah. I mean, that's more than pretty much any serial killer ever. Right? Wow. <laughs> yeah. I'm offended now. And then, he, and then he killed himself. So the police didn't even stop him. He killed himself. So yeah, that's fucking crazy. But um, but still, I mean, he had so much, he had so much armament. He had to use the freight elevator to get up there. Like I said, there was a lot of screwiness, and it kind of got swept under the rug. I think the cops are run by the mafia or something in Las Vegas. Still, you know, holy shit, or he, had, owned he, by the... he had 14, 14 AR-15s. Yeah, seriously, they had to bring it up in freight elevators to the crate. Eight AR-10s high... and like two revolvers. High... Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was there to party, man. I guess so. Holy shit, he wasn't. He was serious. He really doesn't like Luke Bryan or whatever country band was playing. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's listen. That's that sucks, man. I'm sure. I'm sure some people at that festival, at the punk festival, knew some people at the other festival. But I don't know. It's still just a bad joke. I mean, is it? Is this an unforgivable sin? Agreed. Making a joke about this? Agreed. I mean, right. you know. I mean, after every tragedy, there's always like people making jokes immediately you know it's just one of those things black humor right yeah yeah not not particularly funny but i have a very dark sense of humor i can laugh at almost anything i can laugh at my you know wound before it heals usually before it even stops bleeding a lot of times but anyway i'll tell you what stop making fun of yourself yep exactly please okay speaking speaking of unforgivable sins what have you got for us neil I'm going to start off with a with a classic. Um, actually, I played this band on our very first show. I played the Crucifix, mm. who are from uh, Lansing, mm. Michigan, I believe. Correct? Yes. Yep. My neighbors to the east. Yep. So um, the singer, uh, affectionately known as Doc Dart, all right, uh, something like that. Um, he aired the Paper Cup Fortune. Yeah, that's right. Right. Um, and it don't his parents own a bank as well, or a chain of banks or something. Yeah, well, well, I think it, I think it's like so just such a big company that yeah, they have their own banks to service their like employees. Yeah. So anyway, they were they were uh, their first classic album, Crucifix, uh, was out in like '84, I think, on Alternative ten- Tentacles, right? Yep. And then a couple of years later, they released their second album called Wisconsin, which was yep. um, very different nice. actually. Yeah, yeah. not it was as okay, good. But not- yeah, just different though, right? I mean, the songs were kind of slower and longer, and yep, more and, melody. Yeah, he tries to he tries to sing a little bit instead of just barking. He tries to sing, which and the funny thing about it is, his voice when he sings is actually vaguely reminiscent of Pete Shelley on Pete Shelley's solo work. Because um, mm. I know the first time I heard Wisconsin, I was like, "Why is Pete Shelley singing on this? That's very weird." But uh, anyway, this classic is called uh, do what is shit. I've forgotten what it's called. Pig in a blanket. That's what it's called. It's from the first. From the first album. No, it's from the second. 
Is this from the second album? Oh, it is. This okay. is from the second, and you might be confused because they did that compilation on Alternative Tentacles, which had the same cover as Hold the up. first album, but had both albums on it. So, Are, called Our Will Be Done. I have it on CD. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah, so I think that's why you, you, you might have been mistaken there. But yeah, this is, this is from Wisconsin from 87, and uh, this is called Pig in a Blanket, and it's, uh, he's, as normal, very anti-police and kind of happy that a policeman was killed so here we go crucifix (laughs) pig in a blanket
offensive i'd say yes crucifox always ahead of their time indeed and uh i don't i don't even know if he's doing anything musically anymore right doesn't he hold up in some tin shack or something feeding but, the know, deer he was old he was older <laughs> like that that early 80s scene you know it was all kids mostly like teenagers and early 20s he was like 30 or something when they when they first started the crucifox so he may be like 70 years old or something hmm yeah, the last so, thing I, I heard, I, I saw an interview from like 10 years ago, and he was like holed up in some shack. Shack, with like, like yeah. feeding feet deer out the back window. Yeah, I, I, I saw that too. That's Yeah, with like signs up saying he did, what was his, what was one of his signs? It was something like abortion. See, this, it, might have been like, it might have been like 20 years ago, because it might have been like anti-Iraq war signs or something. Yeah, there was, that's right. There was anti-Iraq war signs, and then there was something about abortion that he wasn't, he, he was pro-abortion because he wanted everybody dead or something, something like that. <laughs> Man, I remember the first time I saw the Meat Man was in the '90s, like early '90s, and it, it and and they were actually opening for Guar, everybody's favorite true punks, um, and they had so much merch. I remember they had one of their shirts that had like a coat hanger on it said "Pro Death" or something like that. Oh boy, Meat Men were always great for like offensive merch. Well, Meat Men, we're gonna be them. we're gonna be getting to the Meat Men in a little bit, aren't we? That's right. That's right. We're gonna be getting. <laughs> yes, to the everything they do is offensive. Everything they touch, apparently. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So, um, we got some good mail. Should we read some mail, Neil? Should we read a couple things? Sure. Go ahead. Yeah, that sounds good. Hopefully, you have something pulled up because I don't. That's how professional well, can... we are in this show. <laughs> okay. So everything everything gets connected after a while. I'm gonna read the. Man, that's a long letter, Neil. Or it's a long letter, Chris. But I'm gonna try to read it anyway because I think it's a fun story. It is. Yep. So. So this is actually from my pal Chris, who doesn't do social media or anything, but we met at that Punk and Drug Festival that No Effects uh, had to drop off of because, you know, they were persona non gratis. And who were they replaced by at that festival, Neil? Uh, Descendants. That's right. Descendants. Oh, shit. They're like the like go-to band off the bench. I wonder if Mike has, like, uh, like Milo on speed dial. He's like, I did it again, dude. Can you guys swing in and... <laughs> and it's actually kind of funny because Descendants are putting out a new album, um, which, you know, they're like a every decade kind of band at this point. But they're actually putting out an album of like uh, early stuff, like what? re-recorded early stuff. So, Oh, is that cool. right? Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So what it is, is so, so if you know a little bit about the Descendants, um, the only original Descendant left is Bill Stevenson, the drummer. And Milo wasn't the original and, singer? Milo was kind of the original singer, like when they added a singer. Um, so Milo and Bill Stevenson have been on all the major albums, but they did a single um, before Milo was in the band. Uh, the, the, it's a Hectic Life, Ride the Wild 
single, you might know those songs, but it's definitely different, more like a 60s rock almost hmm. kind of sound thing. Okay. But um but yeah, it was uh so there was it was Frank uh Nevada, I think or something like that playing guitar and was it Lombardo? Oh man, see I'm I'm showing my ignorance. I know Carl Alvarez and Steven Steven Eggerton, the two guys in there now, but anyway, the the original it was originally a trio and uh, in 2002, I guess the trio, the original trio, got together and recorded a bunch of songs of the, like early stuff that didn't even like a lot of it was pre Milo goes to college, and they um, recorded it as a trio. And then during the pandemic, when there was some downtime, Milo actually recorded the vocals for it. So it could be interesting. Bunch of old songs. I yep. probably will like better than their political stuff they've been doing honestly yeah that was that was lame and that's uh i when 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 this was announced on punk news everyone was creaming themselves everyone was very excited about this well people need to get excited about things i think and i sometimes we overhype these things though i must say i was over on the epitaph web page today uh looking at the pre-order for the vinyl but i gotta tell you man epitaph records one of my favorite labels when i was a young man what a bunch of crap all over there oh was that right yeah. i mean just eh. hey speaking of neil i'm gonna let's you know before i read the letter let's talk about the tale of two bay area labels okay so, <laughs> you go for it <laughs> so we always talk up pirates press right we do for good for, for good reasons for good reason yeah well and so they were doing a little sale so i think friday or saturday or sunday i think i ordered some stuff from just a bunch of seven inches a 10 inch and an lp it was like seven records cheap you know re- really cheap actually they were doing like the five dollar 10 inch five dollar 12 inch sale come on what did so, you get what uh, did you get tell us what you got um so it was mostly like european oil stuff mm. um so, so this time like some of the seven inches were like a buck a piece so i literally just kind of took a swing at it um the 10 inch was a split between crashed out and the generators and the 12 inch was a yeah the the 12 inch was a band from texas called concrete elite who play like a real old school oi but the singer sounds like he gargles uh like broken glass or something so anyway i make this order on i think sunday i ordered this stuff right Mm -hmm. monday i've got uh tracking number saying my order's been shipped yeah totally professional the totally professional those three guys. weeks ago three weeks ago i ordered the, uh alternative tentacles was doing a sale i've ordered from alternative tentacles quite a few times over the year probably every other year for the last 30 years you know i ordered something from them. and once again they're having a sale and there's a couple other things i wanted and i ordered uh, uh you know the frantics f-r-a-n-t-i-x uh no i don't believe so obscure obscure punk band they had one classic album called my my dad's a fucking alcoholic anyway so i got that and i got a couple of ba- uh albums by that i didn't have by a band called dead ending who was vic bondy's new band yep i know them like a little hardcore band yep, a little preachy, very good. but i like a little preachy but i like the band quite a bit so i ordered three things and that, that was like two or three weeks ago today i got the email that hit shipped <laughs> Yeah, that's what you get from dealing with Jello by Afro, see? I guess. I mean, don't lecture me, Jello, if you can't get your shit together and pack your orders a little faster. But anyway, it's it's all good. I'm sure it'll show up eventually. Yeah, maybe. So now, now I have two tracking numbers. Now I have a reason to go to work every morning so I can get on my email and check my tracking numbers. Anyway, I'm going to play another song, Neil, before we read a letter. Okay. What song am I going to play? Yeah, why did you get onto that story? Uh, oh, about the Pirates Press and the Dead Kennedys thing. Was that yeah. going somewhere? 
I don't know. I'm just just how how good Pirates Press is. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. They're very like I said, they're very professional. We're not paid endorsers. We're now, just impressed. Now, how's Epitaph with that stuff? Are they good at? Are they business like and good at selling stuff out? I think Epitaph for for years they mostly have all these stupid screamo bands. Okay. They don't. I mean, they they still have the old Bad Religion catalog, and they have some classic, a handful of classic uh, punk albums anymore. But no, I did. I didn't end up ordering. I could, actually couldn't find the vinyl, only CD, so I didn't order it. Interesting. So, okay. I guess I'll wait. I'll wait till Amazon can bring it to me in two days. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I agree. Just kidding. Just kidding. Probably. All right. So you know a band that so we had uh, Sharon Needles on. Uh, a couple weeks ago, indeed, it was actually a few few weeks ago. But I and I was a I told you I was a huge hand, a fan of Betty Blowtorch, still am. And but I think the reason I found out about her was uh, Bianca Butthole, the main singer, did a track for, with the Meat Men. Yes, I didn't know There's this another. until until you told me about it today. I did not know this. Yeah, and it was it's funny because I was looking for it on YouTube. It's actually a cover. Oh, it is. Huh. Some weird, like, jazzy, like, like coffee house kind of band called, I can't remember what they're called, No, N-O-H, or something like that. But anyway, this is a very offensive song, so plug your ears, don't play in front of your children. Anyway, this is how I discovered uh, Bianca Butthole and maybe Butt Trumpet and maybe inadvertently Betty Blowtorch. So this is a very strange experimental art piece, very offensive with the combination between the Meat Men and kind of Meat Men and Bianca Butthole, it's called Caucasian Guilt. It's on the Meat Men's um, World of the Superbikes 2 EP or LP or whatever you want to call it. So anyway, this is uh, the Meat Men and Bianca Butthole, Caucasian Guilt. Caucasian Guilt by the Meat Men featuring, uh, what's this? Bianca Butthole. No, Betty Butthole. What? <laughs> Help me out. Bianca Butthole. Bianca Butthole, thank you. A little Caucasian Guilt for playing that song. Yeah, I don't it's know. It's a little bit. I mean, I, I, I've heard the first Meat Men album. I, I, I bought it when it, when it, well, I don't know when it first came out, but when I first saw it in England, I, I bought uh, Where the Meat Men and You Suck. But I must admit, I haven't really heard the any much of the War of the Superbike stuff. So I had never heard this song before until I was getting it for the show. And uh, no, I thought it was, I mean, if, if it wasn't written by them, it fits in with them perfectly, right? It fits in completely she, with she Tesco changed V. The, she changed the lyrics just a little bit. Okay. 
and added a couple, or they added a little bit of layer to it. But yeah, well, it's funny because you know, Meatman definitely existed in like three different stages. There's the real early Lansing stuff, which is the real short, real funny kind of hardcore songs, and then they, when he went to DC, they had the longer kind of rock and rolly songs that would have been like War of the Superbikes, uh, Rock and Roll Centurions era, and then I think. He broke the band up for a while, and then in the 90s there was a version, and then, like, the 2000s. There was, so there's there's been, like, you know, Meat Men 2.0, 3.0, 4.0, like that. So this, so this... That would have been 3.0, basically. Okay, all right. That's what I was going to ask, yeah. Basically, if I had to lump it into, you know, like, five, four or five different categories, so... Yeah. Now, is, is, he st- is he still doing Meat Men at all, or is he completely retired now? I don't believe he's doing Meat Men at all anymore. Okay. I kind of have a line on him. I would actually love to have him on, so maybe at some point we can have Tesco on. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah, that would be funny as hell. I'm a huge fan, huge Meat Men fan. Yeah. So, all right, I'm going to tackle this letter now, Neil. You ready? Yeah, go for it. You might need a drink in the middle of it because it's, uh, it's that long. <laughs> this is my friend Chris who I met at. He's from Baltimore. We actually played his other band, his newer band, on the last listener submissions episode which they were called good men doing nothing real laid back right, right. kind of band remember that yeah i'm assuming that i actually haven't listened to hot tub vomit yet but i'm assuming they're a little more aggressive with a name like <laughs> that you would hope so right all right so here he said in this long story and it's kind of funny so we're going to share it with you hey guys i'm a big fan of the show and i wanted to share this story because i think it's uniquely punk rock after my second divorce i had nothing my retirement and savings were all gone and i lost my shirt unloading the house I moved back to my hometown and took a job cleaning beer lines with my buddy Chad for about a quarter of what I was making before. I moved into a shitty part of Baltimore and knocked up a local bar owner. By any calculation, I had failed at life and the future was not looking bright. I was a punk fi- punk fan since my skateboarding days as a kid. Now my daughter walked in. I looked up for a second. I lost my spot. Uh-huh. Skateboarding Hi, days as a kid. <laughs> punk rock became front and center of my life again because it was the type of music and scene that I wasn't afraid to show I wasn't afraid to show its scars and I was pretty scarred up metaphorically speaking. I picked up the book Lexicon Devil, The Fast Times and Short Life of Darby Crash and the Germs that Brendan Mullen had put together with Don Balls and Adam Parfrey. I haven't read that, but I'd like to. No, neither I. That's my that's my note. I couldn't put it down. The concept of Darby's five year plan was intoxicating, empowering, and because it was punk rock it felt accessible i decided halfway through the book i was starting a punk band i sat at the bar with chad the next day and we labored over what to call it we decided on hot tub vomit and we made our own five-year plan the goals were as follows create a band record an album so that's one and two three sell the album in a record store four get booked for a show five break up on stage and end it all without a suicide you're really not following through on the darby crash Right. I will let you slide. My best friend had killed himself a few years before, so I inherited an electric guitar from him, a blue Mexican Strat. My brother Ben hooked me up with an old tube amp. Chad found a very used drum kit. He had never played drums, and we recruited my friend Hud from Jersey, who had only recently purchased a bass but had no formal training at all. Hot Tub Vomit now existed. I wrote all the songs in one sitting. I think it came to 16 total. At the time, I was revisiting a lot of really dear eyes, so I figured the 30-second song was the way to go since the longer the song, the more opportunities there are to screw it up. My friend Chuck let me hang on to his Yamaha AW1600, so now we could record. I don't know if that's a 4-track or if that's like a 16-track or what. I don't, I don't know. We recorded and burnt our own copies of HTV Positive, the first and only Hot Tub Vomit album, Two Down. 
We had a pretty legendary record store in Baltimore called the Soundgarden. They kept a steady dollar bin by the door, so we figured the easiest way to sell a record would be just drop them in there. So I took three copies and put them in the dollar bin, and then I took one up to the counter and paid a dollar for it for good measure. Record sold. The tricky part would be the gig, but it actually fell into place. Chad was a pro wrestler for years. He was a jobber, and it inspired his cousin Brian to get into the business as well. Brian was one of these dudes that is a jack-of-all-trades and was a master of none, but he was a great networker, honest dude, and a punk fan. Brian had started his own Ramones Corps-type band, and they were getting booked with other Ramones Corps bands when they would come to town, like the Jasons. In 2015, the Huntingtons were celebrating their 20-year anniversary. They were doing a bunch of shows. One of them happened to be a festival called Punk Rock Revival in Hallithorpe at the Fishhead Cantina. Boy, that sounds like a great place. <laughs> Which had a decent outdoor stage and bar. <laughs> the Brain Hardy band got booked. The Brian... Is it as he, he it says Brain, brain. yeah, it says Brain. Must be Brian. Brian Hardy band got booked, so we called him and asked if he would let us open the festival since our entire catalog was only six minutes anyway. Brian called the promoter at the bar. No one cared, so they said yes. The show was set for 8.30.15. I got double booked in real life. My mom's son wanted me to go to her brother's kid's christening, and it's 45 minutes away. Now, I want to know, is that the, is that the bar owner that he knocked up when he after his second divorce, or is this a different child? Who you knows? have to clarify that. He has it. <laughs> middle-aged man with a child on the way oh no this is other this is a different child okay i wasn't eager to i wasn't eager to share my newfound enthusiasm in punk and the band and i the the band that i constructed also hud calls and said he can't make it from new jersey to play bass we found another bass player through friends a guy named psycho mike and we rented a practice space to cram for the show i went to the christening that day and went to the bathroom and just left so i could go to the show i showed up in a suit just in time to do a fight i just uh walked up, showed up in a suit um, just in time, just to, do in time to do a shot yeah. before we walked on stage and played our set, faked a fight broke up on stage, reunited for the final song and ended it just as planned it may sound stupid but I cannot help but smile even as I write this because we took it from a drunk idea to reality within three years to spare and it was punk as shit Chris in Baltimore yeah. what do you think about that? That's a that's a crazy story. Uh, it's Rock. a it's a shame they broke up with as with as much on the ball as they had getting their <laughs> sneaking the album into a record store and sticking it into the dollar bin and shit like that. It's a shame they didn't follow through on this. You know, send us this enti- send us the entire like six minute album. Oh, we, okay. At some point, <laughs> but I haven't yet. Yeah, I wonder what the songs sound like. I don't know. He said he said DRI, so I'm guessing maybe they sound kind of DRI-ish. But uh, so, what what does Chris live? Chris lives in Baltimore. Yeah. Okay. And you met him at Drunk in Public at or punk, whatever it was. Punk, yeah, Punk and Drunk Public in Ohio. The funny thing is, he's planning to come to. Uh, he, I think he's he's going to come out to Vegas too. So it'll be fun. We'll meet up. And uh, yeah, he was also. We were actually both complaining about the no effects dropping off again. To be replaced by descendants because he was with me, he. Uh, that's where I met him last time that happened. Hmm. In the beer, in like the beer tent, of course. Because mm-hmm. where else you meet somebody, right? Well, of course. Anyway, play yeah. it. Play us another song. Oh, okay. Um, well, changing completely from more well, more modern. We've been played all '80s stuff so far. It's not particularly modern, is it? But we'll go even further back in town, uh, in time. So. Everybody probably knows uh, Plastic Bertrand, Supplant Pour Moi, that song, that, that crazy 77. Um, I'm pretty sure we've talked about that extensively, haven't we? Uh, we probably it's have, like yeah. The, like 
damn do it isn't it like didn't it become jet boy jet girl well that's that's what i'm gonna do so um, apparently the true story is so it's it's kind of like an exploitation kind of punk song right plastic bertrand was from belgium and he sang this wacky kind of fun song over like a fast beat or whatever but apparently a session musician had come up with that and uh in belgium i believe and um two different singers sang that same song so um plastic bertrand did his version so plan poem Y in french and this guy called elton motello did a version called jet boy jet girl and uh <clears throat> that's the song i'm about to play because for 1977 the lyrics are extraordinarily um sexual I, well homosexual right They're, i mean it it's about a gay guy beating up another gay guy or something. And uh, so I'm not quite sure why. Like, Kron Jen covered it too, I think. Because you said The Damned covered it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Yep. I have the Kron Jen version on album somewhere. Yeah. So, but they 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 rush through it, so you can't really hear the words. <laughs> so I think he says, I'm going to make you my girl or something. And it's, it's anyway. Um, so, yeah. So this is going to be Jet Boy, Jet Girl by Elton Motello. <laughs> It drives me wild I like to hit him on the head Until he's dead The sight of blood is such a high ooh, 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 ooh. He gives me head We made it on a ball of blitz I took his arm and kissed his lips He looked at me with such a smile My face turned red We booked a room into the Ritz Make a penetrate. I'm gonna make you be a girl. girl, girl. 
Right, Neil, let's expand let's expand this pause a little bit here. What is that, Alex? Oh. Actually, you know what? We don't have to expand the pause. We'll come back. I'm sorry. Tell what the song is, and then I'll talk to my daughter. It's fine. We'll keep rolling. Okay. <laughs> so my daughter walked in and she was in San Diego for the weekend. I haven't really seen her much. Oh, so anyway, that was what was the name of the song? Say the song, you know. Jet, Boy, the song is. Jet Boy Jet Girl by Elton Motello. Elton Motello, yes. Very shocking for the that. time, I'm sure. We don't believe in editing, so Alex came up to me and she said, you want to know the punk rock thing I did when I was in California? And she's laughing, and she's showing me a new tattoo, and it's very tiny. I can't even really figure out what it is. What is it, Alex? It's the chemical like formula thing for caffeine. No, it's, it's the, the molecular. It's the molecular formula for caffeine. Interesting. It's on her It's on her left bicep. So she has up to three tattoos now. It's pretty bad. She's not even 20 yet. I got it just in the – I was just sitting on a couch. It was free. I would think it. I would hope it would be free because by the looks of it, who gave it? Was it a stick and poke? Did they even no, have a machine? No, it, it was a real tattoo gun. Huh. Oh, dear. It looks like a retarded zebra or something. <laughs> okay. we. You know what? We're going to need a picture of this on the uh, on the podcast group, I'm afraid. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll get it. Let me let me get a picture of this. Yeah, for sure. Get a picture of this. Yeah. I left you. I left your. From... I left your dinner on the oven. It's very small. It's you could. From a distance. <laughs> two two things. A, it's very small, so you could get it covered if you. Yeah, that's a good memory. Have to. Yeah, San Diego memory. But yeah, is that green ink? No, it's just black. That is an ugly. It, it really looks like a retarded farm animal. <laughs> Stop moving. It's not healed yet. That reminds me, I gotta put my new my new one up too. I think mine's mostly healed. So, all right, that's that. That is tattoo talk with Alex. That was Who that was that was. I'm a, I'm ashamed she didn't get a punctual I die tattoo. That's that's very upsetting. Well, have you got yours yet? No, you haven't. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm actually going back in in a couple of weeks. Uh, no, actually, when I get back from uh, when I get back from my trip to uh, to Southern California, actually, I'll I'll get that done. Yeah. Well, yeah, but there's some famous tattoo artists out there. Oh no, I'm not gonna get it done there. I'm going. I'm going back to when I get back home you here. I'm gonna get it done. Yeah. My regular guy. I, yeah. I deba- I debated actually between doing the like all the words or just doing like the PTID, but I went with all the words. So I think that works. That works better, I think. I think the porch would be really cool, but it's just man. I think you'd have to take up your whole back. You'd have to get your tra- you'd have to do your tramp stamp. Yeah, you'll have to be. Yeah, you'd have to have some space. So hold on a second. I just I just want to read some lyrics from that song. Um, that okay. I just played, Jet Boy, Jet Girl. So it's I can you can you tell me what's on my mind? She's with him. It drives me wild. I'd like to hit him on the head until he's dead. The sight of blood is such a high. Ooh, he gives me head. We made it on a ballroom blitz. I took his before arm and kissed after, his lips. What? Before or after he's dead. Yeah, I guess. It might go back to code blue. Um, he looked at me with such a smile, my face turned red. We booked a room into the Ritz. Ooh, he gives me head. And then the chorus is, Jet boy, jet girl, gonna take you around the world. Jet boy, I'm gonna make him penetrate. I'm gonna make you be a girl. Ooh, jet boy, jet girl. So, I know, I know I'm only just 15. Very, very I like sexual. to kick. Yeah. I know I'm only just 15. I like to kick. I like to scream. And even if I kick or two in bed, when I'm with him, it's just a dream. Ooh, he gives me head. So again, you got to remember, this is 1977. 
So this is uh yeah, it's kind of outrageous for back then. I don't think the damned version was that racy, but I'm I may be wrong. I don't yeah, know. Like I said, the Cron Gen one, they've rushed through the lyrics. So you can't really tell what they're saying apart from Jack Boy, Jack Girl, gonna take you around the world. Yeah. Which there you it's... go. Alright. It's very offensive. <laughs> yes, yes, it's offensive to some, I'm sure. Um well, but that it's funny because I, I and I I didn't I forgot, I'll say it for next time. I say there was one other one I picked out that it was it's very uh it's dicks, you know dicks, the dicks sometimes from Texas. Oh the dicks, yeah, yeah, Great. yeah. Yep, became MDC, right? No, they're totally different band, but they uh, they used to play with them a lot. Are you the band sure that used to be MDC was the Stains. Oh, okay. No, it's funny because there was three bands from Texas that all had like prominent gay members, and they all, of course, got out of Texas as soon as they could. And it was MDC, and it was Dicks, and it was uh, Big Boys, right? Big yeah. Boys, the other one. Yeah, they're all from Austin, I believe, right? But yeah, Dicks were a great band. As a matter of fact, their Kill from the Heart album is a classic, probably 83, 84. Hmm. Okay. The one after that was was pretty good too. It was called Some People or Those People or something. But I got I got them both on your very unfavorable format, the 5-inch plastic. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Not a fan. Produced by Alternative Tentacles, who of does course, a great job. Of course it does a great they do a great job with the reissues. I'm not complaining. I, I like the records. I just, they're just the, you know, some of these labels are so good that it makes the other ones look sort of bad, you know? So don't tell me that probably had about a thousand songs on it, right? Um, yeah, I mean, the Dicks one? Yeah. They said they did the Alternative like, Tentacles, like, compilation they did, or something? They, okay, they did one that was called, like, 80 to 85 or something like that, or 80 to 86. It had a ton of songs on it. But they actually reissued individual albums intact, too. Okay, all right. Well, that makes more sense then. Yeah, because, um, I mean, that was one of the things we actually talked about on our intro-ish, uh, in- intro episode, uh, the, or the preview episode, I should say, before our first one, right, when we were just still playing around with this. And we talked about that for a while on that episode, but I don't think we've talked about it since on any of the real episodes. That, uh, I hate those like, CD comps with, like, 70 yep. minutes on them. Exactly. I cannot stand it. You know, everything the band ever recorded, all the albums, all the singles, all the B-sides and shit. I cannot stand that because, uh, I don't know, that just that, that kind of thing just really bugs me. I've never gotten into that. They're, they're not easy to listen to start to finish, obviously. <clears throat> right. Because it, usually it's like an hour or more. But, and, and then, of course, you listen, like the sound quality will change with the, you know, quality of the recordings. But, you know, it's one of those things. Like like a, a band like Dick's, like I have that eighty to eighty six comp, and then I have both their albums on CD, and I think both their albums on CD have like their have an EP tacked onto the end, so they're still only like thirty five forty minutes. So actually, it's about perfect. But I would get like Kill from the Heart on vinyl too, so I don't mind getting those big CD compilations that have like a ton of songs on them. But I usually like we'll get the key piece separate. You know, it's like the picture I just a picture I just put up of an album I just got was uh, Battalion of Saints Second Coming. Right. So it was really their only. They they did other albums, but that was really their their key album. So I have an album by them called it's called Death R Us, and it pretty much has everything they recorded on it. But then I got that album separately, you know. Yeah, so I mean, to me, I, I, mean I mean, to me, I, as as I get older, it's like an album, yeah, fourteen songs maximum. Thank you very much. About as much as I can listen to on like a a forty minute run or something like that. That's about that's about all I need because I just just start to get tired of the band after that. <laughs> yeah. You know? 
So all the songs start to sound the same and shit. And you know, oftentimes so, I won't I won't get to the second side more than like once or something. I'll listen to the first side a bunch, but you know. Yeah. I I'm almost like superstitious if I'm listening to vinyl. Like I, I usually if I listen to those A side, I won't put it away until I listen to the B the side B too. That's a good way like, to I be, curr- actually. That's a good way to be. I I currently have poison ideas uh Feel the darkness on my turntable, and I haven't listened to the second side of it yet, so I'll probably do that when we get done. Hmm. Gotcha. Silverwine, double LP. See, but the thing with they with that, so they reissued that. They put all the songs on the first LP, like the classic album, and then it's got a second LP with some B-sides and stuff on it. So I don't listen to the second LP all the time. You know, once in a while I might. You just basically listen to that first LP. I don't mind it when they do that. You know, it still keeps, like, the original record intact. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't. It's always interesting that, because like when we talked to T.V. Smith just before, you know, about, you always think the band is going to have a final say on stuff, but I guess the band oftentimes never gets the final say on stuff as to what gets recorded yeah. exactly or what the sleeve, what the sle- album sleeve is going to look like or whatever. You know, you, I guess they don't really have much say, especially if they're signed to a big label. I think it, I think it comes and goes, but yeah, I, I definitely think the younger bands especially but a lot of these bands now especially the stuff we listen to is a lot of it's reissue right right so they do have a control well it's like what, what about that smog town album right we that, that's a uh, man what the heck's it called the smog town record they got reissued 20th anniversary our pal jason put it out fears of the new wave fears of the new wave yeah like the label had changed it from their original vision so 20 years later they were able to like put it together with their original vision you know yeah it's pretty yeah. cool yeah and i've got both that's yeah they're both good i do not i just have the new one but i love it but it's funny after listening to the original one for so long that's the way i expect to hear it you know what i mean like this new way it feels out of place feel it does i'm expecting one song yep. to come on after the first one and it doesn't so anywho it's it's funny right because you always you know the, if you got a band that's got a big catalog ramones or Screeching Weasel or whatever, everybody has a different opinion about what their best album is. Mm-hmm. Even like a NoFX. When I hear somebody talk about how one of the later NoFX albums is the best NoFX albums, I'm just like, you're crazy. I love their really early stuff where a lot of people didn't even think they were good yet. I think that's their best stuff. But it, so much of it has to do with what's the first thing you heard by a band, right? That's very true. That's very true. And also, yeah. The state that your favorite, because you basically compare everything to that. Yeah, and also it so. depends if this person had even heard the early stuff or was even aware of it, you know what I mean? Who knows? So, and it's just a bummer. You know, like, for me, Social D is a good example of that because, man, we saw them when they were young. You saw them, you know, I I, I saw them, like, in 90 or something the first time, ninety maybe 92 or something. I don't know, real, you know, but they were, Mike Ness was still pretty young. Yeah. You know, now now it's kind of a codger, so I kind of feel bad for these people who never got to see him when he was real energetic, you know? Yeah, when the band was like, well, I wouldn't say they were not a real band now, because I know he's had the same people in the band for a while, but back then in like the mid-80s through like 88, 89, it had been a stable version of the band, you know? Yeah, when Dennis Bunnell died, it pretty much made it, I don't want to say it's a solo project, but it's pretty much his band at this point. Yeah, Mike yeah. Band. yeah, and the bass player, the, that uh, big, tall, lanky bass player, I can't think of his name, but he'd been with the band for a while through all those classic albums, and then he left as yeah. well. And, so. he's, and he's got a pretty stable, a stable band again. Johnny Two Bags has been playing with him, guitar with him now for since Dennis died. I mean, he's you know, it's not like he's constantly flipping through people. But you wonder if he gets really, you know, if he gets really annoyed that you know Mike is so slow on recording new stuff because Johnny Two Bags could have been, you know, he's, he's been well, with a lot of other bands out. too. Well, he's working though. He's not out. I don't think he's just, you know, waiting on waiting Mike. Because <laughs> yeah. he, he, he was with. Old age. I mean, 
yeah. You don't make enough money playing in Social D to wait on Mike Ness. Yeah, because he, he was with Rocket from the Tombs, right? And he also with uh, some of the Dwayne Cadillac Tramps. Bands. Uh, I'm sorry, was it was it Cadillac Tramps? Yeah, maybe it was. Maybe it was. It was one of those bands. And then he was also with uh, uh, one of Dwayne Peters' bands. Hmm. U.S. Bombs, I think. I think he played. Yeah, that's right. He played U.S. Bombs. Well, I think a lot of people played in the U.S. Bombs, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> I think Dwayne goes through people pretty fast to get tired of his antics. It's funny. I saw him on a... Man, what was I watching? I saw him on... What was that? It was that Orange County thing. That Clockwork Orange County documentary, and he actually looked pretty good yet. I mean, he was missing some teeth, and but he seemed pretty coherent. But that was probably ten years ago. Yeah, at least I think. Yeah, I know. Skateboard, he got a really bad blow to the head about five or six years ago, and he doesn't seem like he's been the same since. And that's, I mean, <laughs> no, it's, it's kind of sad, right? You know, because obviously he didn't have any uh, health insurance or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Sad and sort of entertaining, but yes, yeah, sad. Yeah. Indeed. So, all right. So, you were talking about getting older, Neil. This this song is actually. I'm going to dedicate this song to you. Thank you. As someone as someone who's gotten older, this is a song by our song by our friends the Queers. One of really from uh, one of their albums that probably not necessarily a fan favorite, but I love this song. I think it's so funny. So, this is uh, the Queers doing "Motherfucker." with motherfucker tom why is why did you de- dedicate that to me because <laughs> dating at your age i assume 90 percent of the women you meet have got to be mothers right <laughs> yeah indeed <laughs> you, you have to tuck the kids to bed and you know do your thing well there you go yeah yeah it's true um is that one of your favorite quiz albums it's actually not i think that's is that beyond the valley of the queer it's that's either from i think it's from beyond the valley of the queers okay and that was what from like mid-period or something yeah, kind of. It seemed like it was new at the time, but you know, it's uh time time slips away, right? 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So so yeah, looking at looking at Johnny Johnny Two Bags. Damn, he's played in a lot of bands. You were right, Cadillac Tramps. That was right. Um, Youth Brigade. Wow, U.S. Bombs. Mm. Social D played with Mike Ness solo. Um, and then another couple of bands too. So shit, he's been a he's been through the wars throughout the years. Uh, so that song was from uh, Punk Rock Confidential by the Queers, nineteen ninety eight. Okay, which is funny because at the time that seemed like the new. You know, it seemed like a new album, but the fact of the matter is that's definitely now is more kind of lumped into their um, classic era. So mm-hmm. it's got the classic Tamara as a punk, which they still play a little bit. It's got your one of your other favorites, Mrs. Brown. You've got an ugly daughter. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, good stuff. Yeah, maybe we can get him back on again. What do you think? Seeing as they, re- yeah, I think, I think I think so. I think we're, we're gonna. I think, as a matter of fact. We should probably do that before the touring starts back up. Well, see, I, I see he's got some stuff booked, right? I know he's playing a couple of festivals on the East Coast. He's playing Punk Rock Bowling, as a matter of fact. Oh, the quiz. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I forgot They're about playing that. playing Friday night. Yeah. So, no, that should be cool, which I think is great, and I think they'll be very popular in, at that thing, but it's not necessarily the norm. It's not the kind of band you necessarily would expect. No, but I think everything was everything was weird this year, right? Just yeah. kind of had to be thrown together. I'd like to see them play one of the pool parties. I just well, want to you... stand around with a drink in my hand, watching the queers play at a pool party. Do you know who is going to be playing the pool party, or is that not being decided they have yet? Not, they have not announced it yet, and mm-hmm. they also have not announced the club shows. The thing with the club shows too is you have to. I, I know they're very. It's very competitive to get tickets. See, I'll swear so, that I read somewhere that the club shows had already sold out. I'll swear. No, they I'll, I'll swear they I read even. that. They haven't even announced them yet. And if you have like VIP tickets or if you got your tickets earlier, then you get codes for first shot at them when they do come out. But, you know, they usually have some really cool stuff at the after shows. I don't know if we'll be able to get in. I don't know. I, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe we'll go see the Blue Man Group. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Well, I see our um, our hotel because the pool party is at our hotel, right? And we get like a yep. wristband for early entry or something yep. to the pool parties. Yep. So. And I, you see that the whole the, the punk rock bowling deal through our hotel is sold out. So apparently, people are not afraid to go back. Well, your but your so when I went when I went to get tickets, your hotel had sold out. Or the main part, I think you're in the main part of the hotel, and then there, I was, don't know. there must be another part of the hotel called like the tower or something, and they still had tickets yeah. for that. And I think I bought the last ticket for that because as soon as I was done buying my hotel tickets, um, then that was what that one was sold out as well. So I think that hotel is at least for the cheap for the cheap um, for the cheap rooms. Uh, that's well, the, that's yeah, the that. rooms that they had made a deal with them with Punk Rock Bowling for. Yeah, yeah, because I looked because so, I looked at that hotel on like hotels dot com and there are regular rooms, but they're like four hundred dollars a night. Yeah, I noticed that too. Well, yeah. that's what our friend Matt, Record Farm Matt, was saying. We wanted to stay at the Gold Nuggets. That's where all the bands were, but that that was sold out before I ever got got onto it. So. See, that would seem kind of weird to me because it's not like you're going to go up to any of the bands at the bar and just say, hey, I like you guys a lot. You know what I mean? But... Depends how many drinks you had, I suspect. Yeah. Oh, uh, actually, you know what? I shouldn't say that because you've said before that you've done that numerous times. <laughs> I've told – how many stories have I told where I'm like, well, I went and I had too many. You know? Yeah, yeah. You wander up to them and upset everybody. It's usually about me annoying the bands. Yeah, that would be good. Dude, I mean, we're going to set up – we're just going to set up like – we're going to set up our – Podcasting headquarters in your room, your pa- your palatial estate. Yeah, I got two double, two two queens or something in my room, <laughs> and I don't mean never mind. <laughs> I bet you do. 
So no, we're just gonna be like like we meet musicians on the street. It's gonna be like, dude, come up, come up and record with us. Like what? Yeah, that's next. Yeah. Thing, you know, it's, he's talking to a police officer and pointing at us. <laughs> Those two. Guys. I actually reached out to uh, to Smog well Gross Polluter, I guess, right? But the guys from Smogtown and said, "Listen, you guys have got on the, got to get on the bill for punk rock bowling." So we'll see if they there listen to me and they can make it happen because that would be cool, right? If we could yep. see those guys, that would be all right. There's a million West Coast bands that I would love to get. You know, there's a couple specifically that aren't on there that I was that was had the back of my mind. I'm going, "Oh, I'd love to see the Dickies again," or "I'd love to oh, see." Yeah. Uh, or like uh, Adolescence or somebody like that. You know what I mean? Those classic kind of. But even, you know, when you're going to be in California, there's like that big Nardcore show going on. Some of those bands would be great. But I understand also that we are sort of uh, fringy. Like we like some stuff that's kind of fringy that's not as – I don't yeah. think those bands are necessarily a huge draw. Well, I think the Adolescents would be though. Oh, my God. That would have been a good yeah. good, uh, good, good, good swap for NoFX, right? No, they're down I think just Tony Reflex at this point. Because Steve Soto died a couple years ago, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he did. Only one left, but still, great songs. and You know? Yep. So. Indeed. All right, Neil. You haven't really offended me yet, I got to say. You've been trying. You've been trying to offend me. But what uh, what are you going to do? Is your third song going to offend me? Uh, I think it might. It's going to offend some females out there, that's for sure. Oh, great. <laughs> All the sweets will be turning against us. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so this is, okay, so this is another band from 76, 77. Um, this is a lesser known band because they were basically almost just like an exploit, another exploitation kind of band. Um, this band is called the Pork, the Pork Dukes. Pork Dukes? Pork Dukes? Boy, um, you know, as someone, as someone who loves to make fun of bands for their names, I can't believe you'd listen to a band called the Pork Dukes. Well, the only reason I'm playing it is because all their catalog was completely offensive. Um, and this song is called, I'll tell you what, we'll just play the song and then I'll come back and talk about them a little bit. So this is the Pork Dukes with the song Telephone Masturbator.
So there, that was the prettily named Pork Dukes with... Uh, oh, I had, I so had it in my head that you were going to come back with your DJ voice. That was the Pork Dukes. Telephone, Telephone master. master. Now, the funny thing about them is, okay, so all their songs are dirty and about hiding the pork and stuff like that. And, you know, the covers are very vile and crudely drawn and... Pork? Where could you possibly hide pork, Neil? Yeah. Like I think I think the sing I because th- that telephone masturbator was a seven inch and I think the cover is the, a, a pig on the phone with like a girl blowing him or something like that. It's is that, is that English or American? It's English. So and it turns out that, Benny Hill is the highest form of art, right? Well, I think they used to wear masks on stage, and it took, so, so well, no one knew who they were. So there was a lot of you know people said, "Oh, it's Johnny Rotten." No, oh, it's Captain Sensible. Oh, it, you know, and it turns right. out. It was, okay, so there was an English, um, I don't even know what you would call them, really, because they weren't, like, they weren't psychedelic. They were, like, prog rock, I guess. A band called Steel Eye Span. They were kind of hippie, and they were kind of, uh, yeah, prog rock kind of thing. And I guess two members of, of uh, Steel Eye Span decided that they weren't getting enough fun being in this hippie-type band, so they decided to form a punk rock band. <laughs> They so. weren't having any fun playing these slow, pointless songs. Yeah, um, and in fact, oh, people about- people from England, you'll know you'll know Steel Eye Span from uh, there's a Christmas song that's big every Christmas called All Around My Hat. Uh, so yeah, it almost sounds like someone from the 15th century, for God's sakes. But uh, it's no fairy tale work, I'll tell you that. No, it's not. So uh, yeah, so that was the uh, so they were in the Pork Dukes, and also I guess the original or oh, one of the drummers from the Rosillos was in the Pork Dukes as well. So. So there you it's go. Funny. So I hope everyone enjoyed uh, enjoyed Telephone Masturbator. I'm sure all the ladies out there really loved that one. <laughs> Even the pigs have titles. <laughs> yes, Sir Pork. <laughs> exactly. Duke. He's, he's, Duke got, he's got land. And... Yes. Exactly. <sighs> so what else is going on, Tom? You know, not much. What, what about the, you, Neil? What other albums have you got recently? We haven't talked about record buying in a while. I'm sure you've got you know, tons, right? Uh, well, I tell you, I tell you what. I, so I got, so I did get a couple things from Tang, and I, I put a picture up on our group, so we've already seen it. Some people have already seen it, but I got that um, that Battalion of Saints Second Coming on Yellow, which is great, a great album. And and then I got, I so I've been, I actually didn't have all the sloppy seconds, seven inches, believe it or not. So I've kind of been going back and getting them. And I got the Lonely Christmas one. Now, those are both on Tang. I actually bought them through the Tang um, Discogs page. Hmm. Um, so they did come from Tang Records. And I always feel guilty when I buy stuff from Tang because every time I talk to bands on there, they never get paid. So how come, like Tang, how come Tang is still going then if they were such a shitty label? I don't know. Well, the thing is, they put out some really cool stuff. Hmm. Okay. You know, they put out great records. They just... Uh, are not necessarily known as being good business practices. So I got that. And the other thing I was actually super excited about, and I didn't even know about this. Uh, I had no idea who Susie Moon is, I got to say. I actually had to Google her. I'm like, who is this woman? I bet you Googled I got, her, you dirty bastard. I got to see <laughs> Naked Susie Moon. No. Um, <laughs> so I actually never had her. I, I didn't know Civet. That was her band? Yeah, that was her old girl band, Civet, yeah. C-I-V-E-T. Her and her sister, I'd never heard of them. Um, and then she played in like a stoner rock band or something called Ellie Witch or... No, La Machina. Okay, La Which Machina. Which was on Alternative Chronicles. 
and she played in all these bands and did all the stuff and I just never had heard of her I'm like man has this woman like been around for a while but I think all this has been like in the last 10 to 12 years or something or 15 years yeah it makes sense yeah so I think she's pretty young I, could, I couldn't really tell but anyway she, so she's got this new uh, three song 12 inch coming out on uh, uh, Pirates Press and uh, so I got an advanced copy of that for review and I gotta tell you it's really killer Hmm. Reminds me of like Jet meets the Stooges or something. It's it's really good. I mean, I really want to see her play now. She's playing a couple of East Coast festivals, so maybe she'll pass through. Is she from she the East Coast? In. She's a West Coaster. Good. Well, maybe she'll show up punk rock bowling at PRB. Yeah, maybe she'll play our pool party. Yeah. Don't just settle down, Beavis. Yes. Remember, your wife so, is there. Just settle down. That's right. And she'll probably go to the pool parties. Like I, she won't go to the dank, you know, she won't go to the outside show probably, but she'll probably go to the pool parties. Um I'm trying to think what else I got, Neil. You know, I just I, I just I've been listening to all those seven inches. I got a bunch of seven inches from Parts Press from the last sale, and I got a bunch of seven inches um that I had bought after Christmas from uh Rad Girlfriend. Ah, okay. So I, yeah, yeah. So I've kind of been working my way through those. And, you know, I, I don't know how everybody else does it, but with me, you know, I get a stack of stuff. So if I get LPs, I set them on the ground. I don't want them stacked, you know. But when I get seven inches, I just kind of stack them on my stereo mm-hmm. and just listen to them. And then, like, it's a weird thing, right? You get a new record. Like, I had to listen to this X amount of times before I put it away, like, store it, because, you know, I put my seven inches in boxes like you do. Yep. Or I put my LPs in the shelf. So it's like, yeah, I've sort of been like making sure I listen to things enough time so I can put them away. So it's a bunch of Raging Nathan splits, a bunch of Pirates Press seven inches, and a couple of Hookers splits. Hookers a great uh, like punky metally band from Kentucky. I don't think they're around anymore, but they're cool. So yeah, that's what that's what I've been listening to. Oh, and one other thing I got because I never had an LP, and it's one of my very very favorite albums of all time. Very polarizing. White light, white heat, white trash. Mm, good distortion. album. Yeah, good album. So. So good. Well, it's funny you mention that because I'm going to read a letter from Josh Burke, our good friend Josh from Des Moines, Des Moines, Des Moines, right? Um, about Pirates Press sale, which you talked about. He says, "Hi guys, the Pirates Press, the Pirates Press pull you got vinyl wise was completely lined up with what I pulled, Tom. What do you think of the Sore Thumbs album? I've never heard of them prior, but may good." But main guy in the band was a recent member of Swing and Udders and some other bands, which sound wise huh. to me is right in my vein. To me, that LP was a steal for five bucks. Yep, it's more like the hippie, like Grateful Dead. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I remember that now. It's, yeah. it's good album. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, classic, classic street punk San Francisco style. Also, check out the Come Closer Flexi. I ended up pre-ordering the new LP a bit out of the punk vein, but they do more of a garage surf, surf rock. Super good LP though. I'm now it's in super pretty good. You would not like it, Neil. It's a very 90s alternative sounding. What, the Come Closer? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, that's the one that's got like a Miller High Life kind of logo on it, right? Uh, that was one of the singles, yes. Yeah, okay. But the album itself had that kind of 90s, very plain thing going on, actually. Okay, so he's, he's, he says, I'm now in super delayed mode for too many pre-orders, similar to Neil. Starlight 13, Kill Lincoln, and some new LP from the Dopamines. I go so stir crazy. I ended up dropping a big purchase on Discogs, but it was a hundred dollars plus free shipping, hard to pass. 
Uh, and he got Clash, give him enough rope. Social D, white, white light, white heat, white trash. Same as you were just saying. Uh-huh. Dead to me, Cuban ballerina. Uh, dead to me, little brother, toy guitar in the mess. Suicide machine, revolution summer, and swinging out as poorly formed. That's a lot for a hundred dollars. That's yeah, damn good. not bad. Yeah. Well, you, you know, if you pick up LPs between fifteen and twenty bucks, and if you get that free shipping, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. Says it. Hopefully, it tides him over for a month. I would blame mail, but it seems to be improving around here. Actually, I think that's true, actually, too. I've been getting stuff from California in like a week. Yeah, that's true. I have to. We got a pal from up by Uniel who lives literally like northern suburbs of Chicago. I think he threw some stuff in the mail today to us. So, I mean, he he probably should have just dropped yours off at your apartment. (laughs) But I'd be curious curious to see how long it takes me to get stuff from the northern Chicago suburbs. Is it going to go to Pittsburgh? (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, there was that, there was that, there was that crazy story from uh, from our friend Mark, right? Um, yeah, bounced around for what was it, six months or something? I mean, that was, that really wasn't the same. I mean, it went backwards and forwards to the, you know, to Pittsburgh, back to down to Florida, then sent back up to Pittsburgh again, then out to New Jersey. That I mean, sent everywhere, right? And I think I think he said it because he got it in the end, and what it turned out to be, it looks like at the post office. Uh, passing through one of the machines, it had like some other like uh, barcode or something had been attached to it somehow. So that's why I was getting confused. It was getting scanned twice, I think, and getting sent to all these different places. Mm. So I guess that shit well, can. I guess that shit can happen, right? So I guess. Yeah, I but, guess. But he all bought. Right. But he bought it again in the meantime. So. <laughs> mm. So you know, you know, a band that we've never, that I've never played. Who's that? That's actually surprising. Because it's kind of they're kind of right in my wheelhouse. I've never played the Dwarves. That's true. You have not. Really, originally from Chicago, kind of doing the garage rock, garage punk thing, and then of course moved out to San Francisco and started playing these crazy fast. Have a ton of dirty songs, like more than I could choose. But I decided to choose a classic from their "Thank Heaven for Little Girls" album. I'm not even sure which album it's from. Um, it's, uh, this is, uh, I'm going to play some dwarves. This is dwarves. Fuck them all. Yeah. 
poster there that was the dwarves with uh, fuck them all. Um, I didn't know they were from Chicago originally. That's interesting. Yep. Well, and, and it's, you know, now it's pretty much just Blag. And I think he who cannot be named, I think he plays with them like when they play in San Francisco, but he doesn't tour. So I saw I saw a Dwarves and Queers tour. Uh, it actually was at one of the Tesco Fests in Detroit. And, like, it was Joe King and Black Dahlia, and then, like, they shared the rest of the band. <laughs> it was pretty funny, actually. It was just these guys who just, like, Tours the queers, tours the dwarves. It was, but they were good. They, they you know, they're fine. Hmm. Interesting. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's interesting. Just looking them up now. Oh, so you got a plane? Something's like a plane gonna crash behind you? The real, yeah. Does it? Well, yeah. That's one of the things about about living in this area is uh, all the all the planes going over for O'Hare. You there know? you go. It's one of the things I really so, notice actually when I go to England. Uh, when I go somewhere else, I'm so used to the noise of the planes going over, I don't even notice it. You know. <laughs> So, it's yeah. weird when you go to you can see the lights and don't hear the planes, so. huh? Everything closes down at ten thirty. Um, so, were you a Dwarves fan? I am. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm I not like a super fan, but I am definitely a Dwarves fan. I like Blag. I like. I like. Yeah, I like them a lot. I mean, much like the uh, the, the mentors, I never really. I don't know. They just always seemed really gimmicky to me ever since that. They had that album cover with like a girl with a, a naked girl with a mask on holding a skateboard or something. Is that right? Yeah, I think that was a compilation. Well, no, is that, is that the doors are young and good looking? But they're, you know, I think you'd like them actually. I think you should give them a chance. They're good. Looking at the page on Discogs, um, oh, was it on oh, no, Wikipedia? Oh my god, they got like a thousand X members. Holy shit! Yeah, but uh, famously, of course, Black Dahlia, the singer, um, he who should not be named, the guitar player, and uh, Rex Everything, the bass player, whose real name is Nick Oliveri, who's played in a ton of bands. Hmm. And famously, like, 10 years ago, was holed up in his house with some guns and some booze and fireworks and drugs or something. Oh, good. Good, good, good. Had a standoff. Had a standoff with the police. Yeah. Well, listen, dude. It's more punk rock than wearing a sweater and, you know, lecturing people. Well, it's funny you say that because, like, every like if, if I ever look on, on punk news at, like, the new news or whatever or the new releases or whatever, it's always, yeah. like, four completely looking normal dudes with beards and like sweaters or flannel shirts on, and it's like it couldn't look any any less punk rock. It just look, people don't even fucking try anymore. It just gets me actually well, but pretty it's funny, upset. But if you saw if you saw a band with big mohawks and bondage pants, people would just make fun of them for trying too hard. No, I'd at least be like, or at least it's standing out. They don't just look like every other dickhead on the street, you know. Like our, like our man Jay Hawk, who keeps that perfectly. Uh, he does. You know, he does. Your mohawk. Yeah. Wonder if he works at the work. I mean, I've got to give those guys a lot of props because man, they. They they pimped the hell out of our uh, podcast and stuff, and the fact yes, that they, 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 they were using our logo for a while, which was crazy. Yeah. So uh, yeah, no, thanks they're... thanks to those guys. Those guys were great. Even though even though if they if they're listening to one of our offensive episodes, they might, yeah, this might, might have not turned be the best it off. <laughs> Jesus entering from the rear. That one might not have been yeah. too good. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Neil? What do you got? You got any records? Oh shit! Get I any got, records? I, since the last time we talked, man, I got so much stuff. It's almost embarrassing. Like I got a pile. Hold, hold on one second while I grab the pile. Hold on. Holy cow. Talk amongst yourselves. Talk amongst yourselves. I wasn't looking for an extended segment, Neil. Just a brief update. Oh, Jesus. All right. Can you hear that? that this, this is how many albums I have. Hold on a second. Can you hear that? Yeah, it's a good thud. 
Yeah, that's probably broken some of my vinyl. So I'll let's go. Break the spine, you dummy. Yeah. Top of the list, uh, Stalag 13, the new album, Fill in the Silence. Oh, yeah, yeah, gotta get that, gotta get that. On a gorgeous yellow vinyl. Uh, I've been in a huge Black Halos kick, because mm-hmm. being from the year, late 90s and stuff, um, I had everything on CD, so now I've started buying the vinyl, which is really difficult, because the vinyl seems to be only available in Spain and shit, so I yeah. got uh, We Are Not Alone by them. I think that was their third album, so got that one. Um, our buddy John, Born Shit Stirrers on lovely pink vinyl. Oh, yeah, Lester. Their album, Lester. That's a fun album, too. It is. That's a, that's a good one. Oh, shit. Um, there's a new Meteors album actually just came out called Skull and Bones, which is going to make my top top ten of the year, I believe. It's really, really good. Back to form for the Meteors. And I hope to see them in California when I'm there in a couple of weeks. Um... Another Black Halos, Alive Without Control, the second album. Dealing with Damage from our good friend Ed Wen. Oh, I gotta get that, man. I, I really I gotta order that album too. So many albums I need to buy. Yeah. I got two Ratchets albums from Pirates Press. Yep, good stuff. Uh Lion's Law, second album from Pirates Press. So is that the the Pain, the Blood and the Sword? Nope. It's called From the Storm. Um Okay. I like that band a lot. Yeah, I do too. I think they're really good. In fact we could do a And Europe- the French. Yeah, I was gonna say we could do a European, we could do a European Oi show if you wanted. We could, we could do that. Mm. Wait till I get the new seven inches. Yeah, I got. Um, let's see, I got a Ratchet seven inch. Uh, obviously, a bunch of flexies. I got. Uh, did you get? Did you get the three D seven inch? Three D. There was one that was like a hologram. Oh no, I didn't. You know what? I didn't because it was. It seemed kind of gimmicky. And I think it was like fifteen bucks, wasn't it? So I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't I get that one. Oh, I you was know what? They'd send me one for a promo, but they did not. So that's right. You know what? You know what? I got to. I I, I broke down and spent kind of big money on a couple of um, old singles I'd always wanted. In fact, when I had that crazy conversation with you guys uh, last Saturday with uh, John from Japan, and remember we had that crazy. Oh, was it that talk? Anyway, I was like, guys, you have, to, still, yeah. you have to talk me out of buying the social distortion single. And you didn't do a good oh. enough job, so I did buy it. I got Mainliner. I got mainline. Yeah, the first one. On uh, Posh Boy. Yes. So good have... good player copy. Oh yeah, it's yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah, it doesn't look like it's been Excellent. played. The sleeve because the sleeve is really thin paper. So the sleeve isn't True. isn't the best, but uh yeah, so I got that and I also got the first B52 single. Mm, which yep. is uh Rock Lobster. Um, oh really? Okay. On the um original small label it first came out on. So yeah, it's, it's the original press of that. So, well, that's just great, Neil. Want to play us another <laughs> song? Or you got more records? Oh, great! No, uh, and then I've got a couple on order as well. I got, uh, yeah, I got some stuff coming from Europe that I'm waiting for, and uh, yeah, and I got the Hawaiians coming. That's coming from Germany. Yeah. So, anyway, all right, I I'm gonna the play only, the only thing I got. The only thing I got coming is that Dead Boys reissue in June that I'm super stoked on. Definitely. And like I said, I got one order coming from Pirates Press. I got one order coming from Alternative Tentacles. So it's a race. Pirates Press seem to have like sales every week, don't they? Well, I just think they were clearing out some of their old stock. So okay. they weren't like, like you know, you weren't getting like Cox Bar albums for $5. You were getting these more obscure stuff, you know. And I actually kind of hold back. I had to hold back from just like, I should just buy all these, you know. <laughs> But I just kind of picked and choose. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. So my next song I am going to play. Um, 
I'd say friends of ours, but they're not friends of ours, but they feel like it for some reason. Um, the band Broken Bottles. From, the enemies of ours? All Broken Bottles. Yep, from California. Um, so yeah, the singer Jess the Mass died about what, six years ago, something like that. Um, but uh, just great, snotty uh, West Coast sound, right? Just a great, great, snotty punk rock band. And um, this song is called Bloody Mary. It was a seven-inch and, uh, it, well, you can listen to the lyrics and decide what it's about. So, yeah, this is Broken Bottles with Bloody Mary. Ground. I popped her 
cherry and the cemetery when no one was around. Yeah. So there, that was uh, Broken Bottles with the song Bloody Mary. I have that on Blood Red 7-inch, Neil. Yep, I do too, I think. Yeah, that, that's a good one. I mean, his voice is... Well, you can tell it anywhere, right? Just the mess. You can yep. you can pick out that voice anywhere. But it's, yeah, it sounds kind of like Mike Ness, right? It's got a Mike, so Mike Ness, early Mike Ness. Said, somebody wrote to us and said, you should have, I think, is it his brother was in the band? Oh, um, yeah, and he, run, he runs that label. What the hell was the label? Somebody, somebody reached out and says, you should have him on. So, I, I mean, we're not opposed to it. I don't right, know if we definitely. really have a contact for him. Yeah. but yeah. Because, yeah, we're both big Broken Bottles fans. And I, I remember Broken Bottles. I remember the Hospital album back in the day when it came out, but I never really got super into him. But I'm pretty into him now. Yeah, until you heard it later. Yeah, I got, think I had two albums and about six singles, right? Something like that. Yep. And I have some of the singles, and I have the first album, which is called In the Bottles. Right. Yeah. Which I really like. That's, as a matter of fact, that's the one Bloody Mary's from, right? Or is that from the second one? I, I can't remember. I can't remember if it's actually even on an album, uh, whether it was just a seven inch. I'm not sure. No, it was on one of the albums. It was, okay. But anyway, yeah, great band. So. So, anyway. What else, Tom? We did have one other letter that I think is worth reading. We have a couple of guys. We, we get letters pretty regularly, but we have a couple of guys who write us a lot. And one of them is Josh. Yes. Who I hope we don't end up getting him divorced because he buys so many records. <laughs> and uh, the other one is our pal. And we talked to Josh in episode 100. And the other one is Carl out in Seattle. And we talked to him in episode 100. So he actually wrote us a letter about episode 100, which we got a lot of great feedback on. People seem to enjoy it. Matter yeah, of fact, we, we're going to have to do it. We're going to have to do it again. I've already kind of started in my mind of the next batch of people because I do feel like we missed some that we should have probably got, got the first time around. Well, to be fair, so. we reached out to probably about 15 people and a few yeah. pe- a few people either never responded or they said, no, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to, we don't feel comfortable doing it. So we did reach out to more people which that is, were actually yeah, on the show. Yeah, yeah, which is, but I don't want people to feel left out. I feel like there's some people that are, that we probably, like I said, I think we could do another round of it, but we'll sure. see. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I agree. Uh, well, just I like enjoyed it too. I, I, I mean, it's it's always cool, right? Just hearing other people's stories yep. and that kind of it's, thing. So this is from our pal Carl in Seattle. Hey guys, just listen to episode one hundred. It was great, especially the last twenty minutes where the guest is outstanding. That was him, obviously. Mm-hmm. I love nothing more than the sound of my own voice. Don't we so all? it was a so it was a distinct pleasure that I listened to myself blab on and on. Thanks again for having me on. I have been going back and listening to the first episodes and recently finished number 11. As I mentioned during my interview, the reason I was hesitant to go back and listen to old episodes is because listening to pre-pandemic media can create uncomfortable feelings when you know the pandemic is coming, like rewatching a horror movie, and the hosts obviously know what's in store. My mouth fell agape and tears were streaming down my face as I heard you two talk about all the great shows you had lined up for the 2020. Tom even said something akin to 2019, 2019 was sort of a letdown. I think 2020 is going to be a great year for shows. <laughs> no, Tom, don't say that. Haven't made it to the Ricky Sims episode yet, but looking forward to it. Keep on keeping it real, folks. Carl. Yeah, so, so. May, and so in that vein, maybe we shouldn't talk up. Uh, maybe we shouldn't talk up punk rock bowling too much, huh? In case it goes bye bye. Yeah, there is definitely an element of that. I, I, I will admit, and uh, I'm not a superstitious person, but yes, I also don't want to jinx. Yeah. <laughs> jinx. Right. This year. Yeah. So. 
Well, do you we'll have other, do, you, do you have any other gigs coming up apart from that? Um, you know, there's a bunch of stuff on my radar for the fall, but not even like summer. No. Okay. Because we. So honestly, the only thing on my radar is our friend Alan, who lives up by you. Mm-hmm. Sort of up by you, actually reached out that he's booking gigs up at a pub in Barrington or something. Um, I think it's at the end of July. Yeah, that the Penny, the Penny like, Road pub. Yeah, that's where I saw Mast Intruder. That, yeah, so that is where you saw Mast Intruder. Okay. Yep. So, so I haven't looked at my schedule, or my work schedule, or anything, but maybe that would be a good excuse for me to come up for the weekend. We could do some record shopping, maybe go see that show or something. Dude, that so Dude said he put us on the guest list. I'm like, you know what? We'll pay our five bucks. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if that place. I mean, it already holds about it already holds about yes. seventy people. <laughs> you can have a hard enough time paying the band at the end of the night without letting us up in for free. It'll be fine. Yeah, actually, anyway. that place has so a, I, that place has an upstairs by the bar, but it also has like a little downstairs separate music venue. So we, I don't know where that one will be if it'll be upstairs or downstairs. That's interesting. So, so that is that is how far from and that band is called. Something zero. Yeah, like year zero, something like that, right? I can't remember. See, because one, one of our regular listeners, Chris, right, has a band that has something with zero in the title. We played them, and I can't keep the two straight. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Once year zero, we actually played it on one of the listener submission shows, but I don't know. Now i got to go back and look at that message. But anyway, so yeah, I don't – what about you, Neil? You got anything – I know Motoblot they're saying they're going to do, which I know you love to go to Motoblot in Chicago. I don't know what – yeah, the bands haven't been, the bands haven't been announced yet. Um, I mean, my big thing is I go to California in two weeks, and there's two bands playing at the Doll Hut in Anaheim on a Saturday and a Sunday. The only problem is I am actually going to be working, so yep. I don't know if I'm even going to be able to get out on the Saturday at least. I think the Sunday I should be able to, and that's the meteor, so that should be fantastic. Then Saturday what, what would day, what day are you coming back? Uh, I come back on the Tuesday. So you're working through the weekend. Yep, and that's when the that's when the flip is supposed to. That's when we're working is supposed to happen because they want the people to to be down as little as possible. So they want us to get all the machines worked on over the weekend. So the Saturday might be tough, but I'm assuming the Sunday night I should be free. So and supposedly Anaheim's only like thirty minutes out of Irvine, so that that shouldn't be difficult. Yeah, eighty bucks to Uber. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe maybe it will. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but, uh, that's in, yeah, that's in a couple of weeks. And then in June, uh, my, you know, our buddy, our good friend, Mark Frankel from Gainesville, even though Fest is apparently sold out. So I don't think Fest is going to be on the bill this year. Um, yeah, yeah I was going to ask you about that. If, uh, yeah. Cause you, cause when I, when I first sent you, a me- I sent you a message to say Fest is sold out. You went, ha ha ha. Like, <laughs> like you didn't believe me or something. Well, no, no. Well, the thing is the passes are sold out, but I mean, I didn't, I didn't have a pass last year. So what they normally do is, you know, they'll have so many passes and then, you know, on the shows, you can pay at the door, you know, depending on how many people are there. You know what I mean? So, um, so just because so the passes are, are sold out, it doesn't mean that you're not going to be able to get in. Um, but anyway, Teenage Bottle Rocket have announced a short tour of like Florida and the Southeast. Everybody's, everybody's touring Florida, yeah. Yeah, and so they're doing Florida at the end of June 28th, I think, they're doing Gainesville at my favorite little club in Gainesville, Lucy's. And uh, so Mark bought tickets, so I actually have tickets for that, so I might go down to Gainesville and see Teenage Bottle Rocket in a, in a very, very... Because the venue's tiny anyway, and then they're saying it's going to be like limited 
you know, they're going to limit seating or whatever because of, uh, or limit, mm. limit capacity because of COVID. So. Mark, Mark's like, you got to come down, Neil. I'm going to have to take my wife to this show. <laughs> Shh, that's it. <laughs> Don't get him upset. But no, Mark, no she you... wouldn't go. She wouldn't go. She's a, she's a yes if... fan. She wouldn't like that. Uh, she, she likes his regular, his other music. Yeah, she does. It's, uh, if, if, if Neil gets down there, that'd be great. It's a lot. It's a long way to go for one show. I think if I were going to do that, I'd probably like try to follow him for a couple of days, but Grateful Dead style, Mark. Um, but if uh, if enjoy, you go down there, I enjoy being down be in awesome. Gainesville. I enjoy being down in Gainesville. I mean, that's a fun, it's a fun town if, to visit if, for a, lo- if a long weekend. If Neil doesn't make it, Mark, if if Neil doesn't make it, you need to review it for us. Yeah, for sure, definitely, definitely. But uh, yeah, I'd probably make it down there for a long weekend, going like the Friday no, and come back on the Monday. That's, no, I think that'd be great fun. Why not? Yeah, yeah. And then of course we've got punk rock bowling in September. But then yeah, like I mean, I'm, I'm hoping Motoblot gets some decent bands announced because maybe you could come down for that too if there's some halfway decent yeah, bands. Maybe. Yeah. Like I said, I, haven't, I actually haven't looked at my calendar yet to see if I make sure I'm free that July weekend. But yeah, maybe that'd be an excuse for me to come down, do a little record shopping, go up to Barrington. Yep. Maybe we can go see that guy up that record store up in McHenry that we've been talking about. Yeah, trying it's, to get up to. Yeah, it's like an hour and a half drive. Uh, but you know, I'm sure there's some decent. Is it, is it the same direction as that other place, or is it all different directions? What as as Barrington? Yeah, kinda, kinda. Yeah, we could make it work. Yeah, of course we could. Oh, we could go and hang out with my buddy Rick, so we could do that too because he's out there. That way. Yeah. That'd be good. That'd be yeah. fun. Yeah, we could all go see. So the so the name of the band that's going to be playing up in Barrington is from Southern California called Patient Zero. Oh, Patient Zero. Okay. And Chris, I, and Chris plays in Year Zero. Okay, so I got him confused. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, it's it's a lot of zeros. Yep, <laughs> too many zeros. What, I'm hoping the Zero Boys also do their reschedule their 40th anniversary show, which they were supposed to play last year. I would go down to Indy for that too. Oh, definitely, I would do that too. Yeah, and then there was a California so, band called the Zeros from '77, I believe, right? Yep. 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 There's been a lot of yeah variations on that. So listen, all right. You got one more song to play, my friend. I got one more song. Yeah, this is a very offensive song, yo. Okay, it is. Okay, it's by one of my favorite bands, my favorite Canadian band, Edging Out DOA. Hmm. The Diglo 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 Abortions. Okay. The, this song is from their Two Dogs Fucking album, and it's called <laughs> "Sit on My Face and Bleed." Oh Jesus! Okay. <laughs> and what's this one about, Tom? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, we'll leave it to your imagination. All right, Dayglow abortions, sit on my face and bleed.
when you thought it couldn't get any lower right yeah. wolfman jack yeah exactly i like it when the girls do that yes <laughs> god no no now you got to take it to the next level of creepy what have, go. you, what have you made me do it's that pork duke song that's got me you're gonna go <laughs> got... you're gonna get, edit that out aren't you <laughs> that's got me upset that's my own standard for creepiness yeah so yeah I, i'm optimistic neil you know i was optimistic about 2020 but it's a definitely a different kind of optimism optimism for 2021. It's more like a it's got to be better than 2020 kind of optimism, right? Yeah, for sure. Yep. So. Um, yeah, and it's funny. I was reading something about you know uh, this this COVID deniers, right? The people that don't mm-hmm. believe that COVID was ever a thing. But then I was reading. It's the flu. Today, yeah, exactly. But then I was reading about COVID. Uh, what? How did they? How did they describe it? COVID panic or something? These people. people think- these people that are just like completely freaked out by the idea of covid and they're completely traumatized and they're like a lot of them are saying like they're never going to leave their house ever again without a mask and stuff or they might never go to a social event or see friends ever again and uh i think we actually had one person on the show who's kind of like that not naming any (laughs) names but um from what i've seen we might have had multiple actually but yeah who knows I, I, and that, and that, you mean, we, yeah, you hear people saying, "Oh, yeah, I'm, I might actually go out for the first time soon." It's like go out for the first time. I've been going out since fucking August. It is kind of shocking <laughs> when people say that. Oh, I haven't been to a restaurant in fourteen months. Like, really? How how do you live? But, you know, I, listen, and all, but, but you know, pe- I, listen, people got to have their own comfort level. I'm fine with that. But I also, I, I, I do struggle with being super sympathetic to people who are going to be scared forever you know you i mean that's you, not a way that's no way to live you can't be afraid of life that is just fucking insane there's always going to be things yeah. out there that might hurt you're more likely to get killed in a fucking car accident when you leave the house than you are to get covid and die i mean it, it, it it's a ridiculous it's way well it's funny because we were you know we talked about this like a couple episodes ago the last time we were just the two of us and i was talking about how the the punk news crowd was just just piling on about these people attending this New York show and how oh, the John Joseph all... thing, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, you know, some of these people used to like sniff, you know, baby powder cut with fentanyl or huff gasoline, and now they're afraid of something that <laughs> being outside with people. They're acting like being at a show like this is like sharing a dirty needle. It's just not that level of, you right. know, it's not that level of danger, you know. Exactly. So. Alex is back. She's warming up her dinner. Oh, okay. is that what that noise is? That's the microwave. Yes, this is this is sort of a slight revisiting of the classic Alex makes a chicken sandwich. <laughs> it, it is, it is, and those huge like four thousand bags of chips on top of the fridge over there. Yeah, but mom hates the new microwave. It's fine. Just just use it. We'll throw it away soon. You gotta push start. I did. Oh boy. I, I, all right. I, 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 all right, Neil. I'll tell you. What? 
No, go ahead. I was going to say, I actually have a microwave in a box. My my old landlord said he was going to put a new microwave in for me, so we bought the microwave, and it's here. And he didn't figure out that there was no there was no power close enough to, to put where he wanted to put the microwave. So I still have this over-the-oven microwave in a box for like the last two years. It's that, a beautiful one. That's what, that's what I need is an over-the-oven. Stainless? What color is it? Yeah, stainless, yeah. All right, I'll trade you some records for it next time I'm down. Yeah, so it was good. your old landlord, right? So the new landlord doesn't even know about he, it. Exactly right. The new landlord has got no fucking clue he, that this even exists. It's still in box. Black. You know? What's Excellent. that? Yeah. I said black. We don't need the government in every transaction. We just swap. <laughs> yeah. Either that so, or I'll just take it back to uh, Best, uh, not Best Buy, wherever he bought it from. One of those big box stores. So. But, all right. Listen, before Alex starts eating, let's wrap this sucker up. You got one more song. What do you got? I do. So this is a song. Thank you to you for turning me on to this. Um, this song is dedicated to my ex-girlfriend. And this song is by Sloppy Seconds. <laughs> what? Oh, boy. Very offended. I'm already offended. You know? <laughs> and this song is called Achy Breaky Skull. <laughs> Achy breaky, achy breaky skull, which I assume light side of wife beating, which which I which I assume was uh, you know, was that what was that guy that did achy breaky heart? That guy with the bad mullet back in the nineties, that country guy. Cyrus, yeah, yeah, Billy Ray Cyrus, yeah, that's him, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when we were growing up on television, it really is a change of attitudes, and once again, a change of attitudes for the better, right? Because it was like constant jokes about like 
beating your wife when we were kids, right? <laughs> like I'm, maybe in your house, mate. <laughs> no, no, I mean like popular television and stuff. Yeah, yeah I mean yeah. you watch Jack yeah. Gleason. Right? It's like one of these days, Alice to the moon. He's like, yeah. literally, I'm gonna punch your face off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Yep. Classic humor. Classic yeah. humor. Yeah. So I guess you know we have progressed a little bit as a society. Although you wouldn't know it my song selection tonight, would you? <laughs> well, that was the whole point. What was the whole point? We hope we, we hope you've been suitably offended because if you haven't been in one way, that means we haven't done our job right. Exactly, yeah. and you know, this all all in good fun, obviously. Yes. We neither, we neither endorse nor deny the messages being uh, <laughs> exactly being presented. Exactly. So. These were these are a lot of these were recorded, you know, long before we were listening to them or something. You know, I don't like, know. Twelve years ago, when spousal abuse was still funny. <laughs> yeah, Beate is writing another letter to Punk News right now. Exactly. Oh yeah, I'm gonna get. We're totally gonna get canceled now, right? Do you think it's funny? Yes, I mean, I yes. Think everything's they funny. said a song that yeah. Thursday's back was funny. Exactly. Yes, but I think you... everything's. So anyway, black humor, man, black humor. Anyway, thanks for listening. Yep, thank you for listening. Uh, hopefully, you'll come back again for episode one hundred eight. <laughs> and and it's safe to bring your uh, your family and kids back into the room now. Just uh, just yes, so you know. Right. You can let your wife listen again, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you next time. Yep. All right. Yep. Stay free. Keep a little mark in your heart and all that good stuff. See you later. Know you later. Bye bye.